Welcome to the Newsbusters podcast with your host, executive editor of Newsbusters, Tim Graham. Hello and welcome to the territory that's not obsessing for 24 hours a day on January 6th. It is the Newsbusters podcast. Now, I, I wouldn't say I didn't watch the uh, the second primetime hearing. In fact, by the end of it, I was like, when is this going to end? You know, it, it, on your thing, it said two hours. Well, they went, they blew way past the two hours. They obviously decided we're going to take this thing to two hours and 45 minutes and let Lester Holt and the crew finish for the last 15 minutes. Law and order repeat canceled. Uh, and uh, it's just one of those things that I, I try to watch it and I try not to get upset with it. I think there was a lot of things, a lot of clips there um, where you did get a good picture that like everybody except Donald Trump was telling Donald Trump whether what he was doing was wrong. That's actually comforting. But then you just get to the whole, the way that the news media treats these things. And the first thought I had was, yes, before it turned into a three-hour extravaganza, was I want people to understand this. As somebody who's been here at Media Research Center since 1989, live hearings on ABC, CBS, and NBC are rare. It has to really be like a double emergency. Live hearings on ABC, NBC, and CBS in primetime is even rarer. And we all know this. I was tweeting this at Brian Stelter during the hearing last night. If Republicans retake Congress, there is no chance CNN and the other liberal networks would ever air a congressional hearing live in primetime. I said, I dare you, Brian, to disagree. So we're watching this thing last night, and of course they all said, well, this isn't the last hearing. We're going to come on again in September. So much for this thing being the series finale. But you just watch these things and you go, this is not a hearing. It's not a hearing the way most people are used to hearings, where you have witnesses and you have congressmen asking questions to the witnesses. There was a tiny bit of that, but most of it was exposition. It's not a hearing. It is a telling. But I was watching with Mrs. Grimm, and of course she has a lot of different takes on things. Um, I had to ask her who's, you know, whose dress she liked and whose dress she didn't like, and, and these sorts of things because she's watching the whole, she's taking in the whole spectacle. But she was listening to Elaine Luria, Democrat of Virginia, um, calmly talking about these are the talking points I was handed for tonight's hearing, and she says to me. She sounds like she's reading a bedtime story to her kids. Well, in that case, it's kind of a horror story. you know. So I tweeted after that, Goldilocks committed an insurrection by entering the three bears' house and eating their porridge. You know, <laughs> you know it's, it was such a stilted process. And I think that's the thing you don't get in all of this obsessive coverage. And, all of the, and now we'll break for Lester Holt. And they're all going to say, this was very important, very important, very fascinating. So much we learned tonight and, and, and all the promotion is you just get this is all one sided. It is dramatically one sided. That doesn't mean that they can't make an effective case, that they can't prosecute the case. It's just that there is zero rebuttal. There is no defense lawyering. And even the things that the Republican or Trump people said, there's I'm sure there's things that they found less effective for the January 6th committee that they left on the cutting room floor. We don't know what those are because they very carefully edited and selected the clips that they wanted. 
So this is not a conventional, calling it live coverage is kind of whacked because so much of it is running clips of previously recorded testimony. They even ran last night Cassidy Hutchinson's live testimony from during the day a few days or weeks ago. But it's, it's just that whole idea of this really, you could argue, was ended up being a three-hour commercial for the Democrat National Committee. Again, it doesn't mean that there wasn't serious points made about what went wrong on January 6th and that President Trump wasn't exactly upset that the riot was going on and didn't really put a stop to it. That doesn't change the fact this was, uh, again, a propaganda made for ABC, CBS, NBC, MSNBC, PBS, NPR. And Brian Stelter's out there tweeting, Fox News doesn't have it on live. And I'm like... There's 37 other channels running this, and you insist that number 38 has to come along. I mean, that's enforcing the pack, and it's kind of tiresome. You know, and, and the sad thing is, uh, CNN, its ratings suck so badly, I'm sure Fox News running their primetime opinion shows last night beat CNN real good. By the way, have you heard about the MRC cruise? Yes, we're finally doing it again. Haven't had one since 2019 because of the, the China virus. Uh, it's scheduled. you got to go to mrccruise.com. We're riding on the celebrity cruises this time. June 22 to July 1st, 2023. And this is fun because we're not doing the Caribbean this time. We're going to Italy and Croatia. Starts in Venice. Zadar and Dubrovnik, Croatia, Naples, Portofino, La Spezia in Italy, and ends in Rome. So find out more about that and find out all the conservative thinkers who are on it. I, I'm lucky I got on it. MRCCruise.com. So we have a new report out from Free Speech America and CensorTrack.org. And here to talk to us about it today is Brian Bradley, Associate Editor of Free Speech America and MRC Business. Brian was a reporter before he was here at Education Week. We have journalists here, you know. So welcome, Brian. Thanks, Tim. It's great to be here. So you have a report that might have a confusing title because you're coining a term. And that is, the term is secondhand censorship, mm -hmm. which people are like, what? It's like secondhand smoke, mm -hmm. right? Which means when you have a smoker in your house, you get the smoke. This is sort of the opposite. When you have somebody's message censored, then you're denied the smoke or the, <laughs> the smoke and tweet. Uh, but you you um now on censortrack.org have 4,000 total cases of direct censorship of conservatives. Right. So this is a study of 172 cases in the first quarter of 2022. Yep. So what, how did, what was the math you did? Sure. So um, thanks again for having me, Tim. Sure. Um, we've been counting at Free Speech America through censortrack.org um, cases of censorship across all the major social media platforms, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, um, and um, some of the others. 
Um, LinkedIn. That LinkedIn. was the one that surprised me. Yep, that's that's another one. And I never think of that as too. actually a social media site. I think of it as a resume site. But yes, people message on LinkedIn. Right. Um, Instagram, of course, another one. TikTok. Um, and um, a new one that we added is Spotify. More on that later. Yes. But, um, we have been counting these instances of censorship since they started around roughly 2016. Um, for this particular report, we focused on only the first quarter of 2022. So in that first quarter, there were only 172 direct instances of censorship. But, and this is a big but, with those 172 direct instances of censorship, there were 144 million times that users on social media, the followers of these cases of censorship, the followers of the people getting censored, 144 million times that information was kept from them on social media. So what do I mean by that? Censorship doesn't just affect the targeted individual. So when big tech companies censor someone, they don't just block that one account or its posts, but they also block all of the users that follow that account from seeing those new ideas and viewpoints. So really what we tried to do with the secondhand censorship report is to quantify the ripple effect or the impact of when big tech goes after Dan Bongino or after Tucker Carlson or after the Babylon Bee. Okay, they're affected, but how many other people are affected as a result of not being able to see their posts? And some people could say, at least right now on Twitter, you know, you can't even do a number for the Babylon Bee because they're banned. They can't right. even tweet. Right. So, uh, you know, if you were, I mean, actually, sometimes, though, you see Babylon Bee tweets mm -hmm. because other people or Babylon Bee stories because other people tweet them, but they they can't do it. Uh, so, you know, it's the same thing. We could go back to one of the most infamous episodes, which was the Hunter Biden laptop. Sure. And that Twitter and we, you know, you guys don't have a number on that. But it's that whole idea of how how many voters in October of 2020 did not learn about what the New York Post had because if they followed that account on Twitter, there was no they were not allowed to tweet uh, uh, because the Hunter Biden laptop was a supposedly disinformation. So their whole theory is we're doing this, whether we're Google, whether we're Twitter or Facebook. We're sparing people from so-called disinformation or for so-called harm. Sounds right. so good. But you have a, 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 a list here of some of the real sensitive points, and I want to just run through them with you, uh, starting with the war in Ukraine, which that's kind of fascinating to me because, I mean, we all understand that the liberals all have their Ukraine flags on their accounts. I kind of like that. You know, mm -hmm. suddenly they all hate the Russians. Right. But uh, you found that, you know, yeah, you, you can't really run counter that liberal narrative on the Ukrainian war. Right. So what we found, and, and it's a bit shocking because I expected COVID-19 or race-related content to be the main target for big tech in terms of secondhand censorship. But what we found is war and violent content war and allegedly violent content actually topped the list in terms of the quantity of secondhand censorship that big tech was engaging in during the first quarter of this year. Um, so we found 19 total cases of censorship 
of allegedly violent and war-related content. That's direct cases of censorship. So one person or one company getting censored. But those 19 total cases rippled across 26,366,632 times during the first quarter that social media users had information kept from them. So th that 26 million, that is our secondhand censorship number um, um, during the first quarter. And the, the most uh, egregious instance, perhaps, was when YouTube placed two content filters on a Fox News video of former Representative Tulsi Gabbard and Fox News host Laura Ingram about the Ukraine war. Um, so Gabbard said, basically, she was just saying <laughs> something as innocuous as as Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky might be willing to engage in negotiations to compromise with Putin to end the war. And they censored that. So, you know, what do we get as a result of this censorship, you have almost 10 million people. Fox News had almost 10 million YouTube followers not being able to consider crucial information about this Ukraine-Russia war. Yeah, I mean, I think that we can all understand if they said, well, we don't want to show you some people getting blown up in Ukraine because the violent content could be disturbing. What what you're talking about here is basically viewpoint discrimination, and that is we don't we don't like people suggesting that the Ukraine, you know, the one step that the Ukrainian president is 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 exploring is all oh, we we can't have you discussing what he's exploring. Right. I mean, and it begs the question. I'm, I'm sorry, but this pops in my mind. Do they want the war to happen or, or, or continue? Right. Um, what benefit do they get out of th this situation? I mean, are, are you know, it just kind of boggles my mind um, that that is the main topic of their censorship. I mean, obviously, Tulsi Gabbard has been kind of the butt of a lot of big tech actions. Mm -hmm. You know, they've gone after her on several occasions. Laura Ingram, no stranger to the censorship either. But, you know, regardless of the reason, the effect is the same. You get millions upon millions of Americans not able to consider political content that is crucial for debate in a thriving democracy. Yeah, I mean, you would think that uh, this is a this is one of the or has been one of the dominant public issues. Then you have race and critical race theory, which, as you 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 were right, I think this is where we would expect that it was really to me. I would say it's either this or it's LGBT, mm -hmm. where they're going to be extremely sensitive this is where you would think oh the crackdown is gonna happen right but we we did see um so even though war and allegedly violent content uh led the list with about 26 million times uh, of secondhand censorship across multiple platforms the mrc also found over 13 million times across multiple platforms secondhand censorship of race-related content. So um, what led the list here was um, the one instance of Joe Rogan's podcast where uh, basically in one fell swoop, Spotify deletes about 70 episodes of his podcast uh, based off of a leak from some left-wing groups of his past use of uh, his past use of the N-word on the podcast. Um, so Spotify went back during the first quarter of this year and retroactively deleted about 70 episodes. We only counted one instance for that. It would have been in the billions had we counted every episode they deleted. But Joe Rogan has 11 million listeners per average on his podcast, and all those people were affected when these podcasts left. So you might not like 
his his use of the n-word or his referential use of the n-word um i don't think he used it in a mean way at all but they couldn't consider the ideas that he was putting forward in these podcasts because big tech just had to put the clamp down based on political pressure from the left we have to imagine that the use of the n-word is allowed by rappers and other things on spotify Mm -hmm. um so i mean it's it's it it breaks down to the the usual line which is you can't say it (laughs) right he can say it you can't say it and then you had something about critical race theory yeah so twitter did suspend the chalkboard review earlier this year in the first quarter and chalkboard review is uh it's an educational organization that opposes critical race theory so basically, just for being critical of critical race theory, if you will, yeah. Chalkboard Review uh, got suspended by Twitter. Um, Twitter unsuspended Chalkboard Review uh, a few days after its its initial suspension, after Twitter determined that it wasn't in violation of the Twitter rules. Um, but Chalkboard Review noted that it had also lost all of its followers when it was unsuspended. So, oh. um, yeah, so you see big tech... Um, going after all of the issues that um, are near and dear to their hearts in terms of pushing the progressive agenda. But who gets who gets the short end of the stick? It's conservatives and it's people who oppose critical race theory and um, these woke ideas. Yeah, it's it, it. What's funny is that this is basically a system based on tattling where, you know, offended woke groups get in there and say, you got to shut these people down. So Uh, The other thing I would expect, and we've seen a lot of this, I think this is in a sense you really can't measure it again. It's sort of like the Babylon Bee. In fact, this is the problem with the Babylon Bee, Mm -hmm. is transgender issues, is that if you decide to go on Twitter and say, there are two genders, men are men and women are women, and everybody who pretends they're not is delusional. So this, you have quite a distinguished list here. We have the Attorney General of Texas, we have Matt Walsh, of course, who made that whole movie called What is a Woman? Right. We have Tucker Carlson. Um, it's just the whole idea that whenever you suggest, in particular, that Rachel Levine of the Department of Health and Human Services or was, Richard. was Richard Levine, you, you can't dead name him, Brian. <laughs> that is an offense. I'm you, sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. Get but me that, out of this woke prison. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is, uh, this is one of those places where we would say... Um, I think we have truth and reality on our side because Richard was a man for, what, 50-something years, and then he decided he was Rachel, and Twitter and and so on says, no, you can't say that. Right. The, the Babylon Bee and Charlie Kirk, as you mentioned, both called Rachel Levine a man, um, and, and as a result of that, they were secondhand censored four million times merely res- as a result of this one incident. So if you call a transgender person by their actual gender, mm. their biological gender, right? Um, if you call a transgender person by their biological gender, they're going to make sure that your opinion is contained and that that opinion has no ripple effects, no spread throughout society so that they can spread their progressive agenda. And their agenda is to sell you on the idea that transgenderism are real, that this is a real phenomenon, and that you have no right to call out this person's biological gender. Yeah, I think this is the wokeness, and that is the whole idea that, for example, Twitter would say, you know, our hateful conduct policy is all about 
protected categories. Now, you and I are both cis white males, so <laughs> we are not in a protected category. If somebody slimes us, I guess we're just stuck. Then there's COVID, and we know uh, this is actually obviously something we, we saw a lot of. Maybe it's not quite as prevalent, but still going on. In the case you talk about, uh, there's a Swedish study about vaccines um, that they that they tried to shut down. And also, they were censoring an interview with Rand Paul, who's not just a senator, but who is an actual medical doctor. Yep. So Just the News. Uh, Just the News is a website that was started by John Solomon, yeah. longtime journalist, reliable journalist. Um, they published a story March 3rd reporting on a Swedish study that found the the COVID-19 vaccine by Pfizer can convert to DNA inside human liver cells. Um, so twi uh, Twitter went ahead and censored that, even though it was a study. It was an academic study. Mm. Twitter said, no, uh, we're a big tech company. Therefore, we make decisions about your health. <laughs> yeah. Not some Swedish study, not some medical professionals in some European country. We make your health decisions for you. So as a result of that censorship, all 867,000 of Just the News, um, Just the News founder John Solomon's Twitter followers weren't allowed to make critical, crucial decisions about their health care and how to handle this COVID-19 pandemic. Um, and I think we've taken for granted for how long in this country we've had health decisions available to us, you know, just, you know, able to make health decisions according to our will and our conscience and, um, you know, the, the literature out there, the wide breadth of literature out there. But now they're they're going after some of that literature um, and the ripple effects are are quite shocking and quite damaging. Um, but also, um, as you brought up uh, the censorship of Rand Paul. So Paul had challenged the Pfizer CEO, um, the, the, the Pfizer narrative as well, saying that there's no logical reason for vaccine mandates to continue, given Pfizer CEO Albert Borla's statement that the first two doses ineffectively, pro ineffectively protected against the Omicron variant of COVID-19. All he said is that we have to stand up for ourselves. Um, so um, Big Tech censored him. All of his followers were, as a result, not able to see critical health information that he put out there, his opinion. Um, and we just see it on and on across these hot button issues, uh, COVID-19, race related censorship and, and so on. And then, of course, there is abortion. That's the hot new one. Uh, the uh, This is where it gets really fun because here we have our own Tier and Rose Mandelberg who tweeted, 63 million murders for convenience is 63 million too many. Right. Um, Censored. Right. Right. No. Um, and, and TR has, uh, you know, she's got 2,500 followers on Instagram, um, and they put the clamps on her. Uh, you know, I, I saw she was uh, posting a lot after the March for Life in, uh, in January, but they didn't want her message or um, her ideas, you know, her inspiration from that event to continue. So they, they put the clamps on her. And then uh, this is where the hateful conduct really gets me. Um, a Catholic tweeter, Eric Sammons, had tweeted, Just a reminder, homosexual activity is a sin. Transgenderism is a mental illness. Abortion is murder. Banned. Now, this, these, are, these are the standard Catholic Orthodox positions, and they're, they're all categorized as hateful conduct. I find that just amazing. 
I mean, exactly. As you said, these are the standard Catholic positions. They're the standard Christian positions. I mean, America is a Christian country. We always have been. And um, to see big tech uh, going after these simple embedded Christian concepts, I mean, it's really an assault on the country itself. Yeah, I mean, basically, again, this is where we call it free speech America. As they're saying, well, you don't get to have free speech when we find that it attacks the marginalized. Mm -hmm. It offends their sensitivities. Right. It, it makes them feel not valued. Right. Or invisible or whatever terms that they like to use. And, of course, the, the one they really like to drag in, you're putting them at risk of suicide. Right. That's a great way to shut people up. You're not yep. allowed to say that. Uh, so uh, I had this thought when I was looking at this, and I thought, well, liberals would probably look at what you're doing at Censor Track and at Free Speech America and saying, well, liberals get censored too. Do you keep track of that? We get this with, with Newsbusters where they're like, well, you're only attacking liberal bias. You're not going after conservative bias. And we always say, well, there's got to be a liberal group for that. So we're not we're not doing both sides of the street, pal. We're doing our side of the street. So I just thought it was funny. I put hateful conduct atheist in Twitter. See what I got. This is this. I got such a kick out of this. So in 2019, there's an account called. Well, it says God is the name of it. But the, the, the Twitter account is the tweet of God. And this is a comedy writer out of L.A. who's been doing this. Uh, atheist, you know, pretending to be God shtick for 10 or 12 years now. But in 2019, yes, Brian, they described him when he came out with his book, The Book of God. It was hailed as blithely blasphemous. Uh, th these are the people that are usually protected on social media. But uh, he was actually suspended, or at least the tweet was suspended for hateful conduct, that he tweeted, quote, if gay people were a mistake, they're a mistake I've made hundreds of millions of times, which proves I'm incompetent and shouldn't be relied upon for anything. <laughs> he was very upset because, you know, he's always tweeting that God is, a, you know, is a, uh, you know, basically uh, makes mistakes or God is incompetent. He doesn't believe in God. So this is the whole shtick. Mm. You know, you could suspend that account just because it offends believers of God all around the country or the world, but they're not going to do that. Say, so, for example, you know, people love some of his tweets that are not hateful conduct. 2020, homosexuality is not a choice. Homophobia is. See, he's allowed to say that. Eric mm -hmm. Sammons can't say anything Catholic. Mm -hmm. Here's mm -hmm. the... Uh, well, here's one for all the conservatives in 2021. At this point, the idea that I would ever bless America is so absurd, it's funny. That's very Los Angeles. This is why, you know, Barry Goldwater in 64 had this ad where he sawed California off of America and let it float out to sea. Uh, the liberals just hate America. But uh, just recently, I pulled this one out. July 14, the pretend God tweets, everyone's telling me you took the wrong Trump. This is a reference to Ivana dying. And he then he added, Donald will be in hell soon enough, but first I want him in jail. Somehow that's not hateful conduct. See, you, Donald Trump, you can say, I want him dead or I want him in hell. That's okay. That's allowed. Yeah. So and I'll, I'll just say, Tim, um, if, if there are any instances of big tech censorship of liberals, it's never someone who is major. It's never someone who, um, you know, if if they got censored, it would create big impacts across society. Um, it, it's always 
very, very minor. So, um, you know, uh, accounts and posts that are allowed to kind of tweet with impunity this hatred, um, you don't see Twitter going after leftist tweets like that very often. Yeah, I'm sure it's very rare. So let's finish with one other thought. This wasn't on the agenda, but I'm going to throw it in because it's the big news today at Free Speech America, and that is NewsGuard has given Fox News a red score now. CNN is green. This is sort of the other thing I like to say about the big tech companies, and that is the people who really never fear uh, have any danger of being suspended, the Washington Post, the New York Times, Mm -hmm. MSNBC, CNN, Associated Press, every mainstream... And you know Brent Bozell hates that word. Everybody in the, everybody <laughs> yeah. in the mainstream media does has no fear they're ever going to get censored. But Fox News now got a red score, and it's because why? Fox News, uh, they got a red score. I, I, I read it this morning. Um, essentially because they don't distinguish between news and opinion was the claim of NewsGuard. This is where, yes, insert sound effect of, you know, demented laughter i mean the idea what cnn's really good at separating news and opinion mm. msnbc is really good at separating news from opinion they get a green score and fox gets a red score yeah <laughs> uh, and what's really telling about this is you know newsguard in its nutrition label which is really a uh, it's really a scorecard for these different outlets um it said that tucker carlson uh sean hannity and laura ingram were anchors and not hosts it's like Fox comes out and called these people hosts, which means they're talk show hosts. So therefore, you are an opinionated talk show host if you're hosting a talk show. You're not a news you're not a news show or you're not hosting a news show, which is what the term anchor is used for. So NewsGuard can, you know, was unable to distinguish between news and opinion in its own nutrition label while it accused Fox of doing the same thing. And you know, Sean Hannity says all the time he's not a journalist. <laughs> You know, and that journalism is dead. But I mean, that, that maybe that's the kind of thing they hate over there at NewsGuard. But so see Joseph Vasquez's story on NewsGuard today at Newsbusters. And if you want to keep track of what's going on at MRC Business at Free Speech America, you come to Newsbusters. Or, of course, keep up with what they're doing at censortrack.org. If you haven't been there, check it out, okay? And then come back to Newsbusters once, twice, 24 times a day. Thanks for listening. <laughs>